Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The throw to the corner of the end zone. And the touchdown catch is made. Ryan Thompson, his first of the season. What an outstanding route by Brian Thompson. Or will it be the young Utah defense trying to bow up with nine new starters in the lineup this year? The deep ball going over the top. A fight for it. And an interception. Utah heading the other way with the pick. Vontae Davis, the safety, somehow came out of there with it. From the 16, first and 10. Watch the tight end Odden down here at the bottom, all by himself. Morris looking that way, scrambling, fires, caught, Otten, touchdown, Washington. 16-yard strike, and the Huskies take the lead with 36 seconds to go. And what a drive engineered by Dylan Morris. 88 yards for the score to Otten. Third down and five from their own 35. Bentley. Looking deep downfield. 50-50 ball, and it's intercepted. Washington comes down with it. Trent McDuffie with the takeaway. And that should wrap it up for Washington and a remarkable comeback tonight in Husky Stadium. Utah blowing a 21-point halftime lead, something the University of Washington, if I'm remembering the graphic correctly, has never come back from a 21-0 lead ever in their it entire was a, existence. I thought, well, they kept saying that it was the biggest uh, comeback since 1988 or something. Well, anyway. I, I saw it several different places. Never has Washington come back from 21 down at home. So what, uh, what, what was you guys' impressions of what was? why did it happen that way? I mean, there's a lot of things to pick from. Um, I think it's a combination of, of uh, big mistakes from young players and mm-hmm. um, Utah's tendency to sit on leads. So where do you, if you were going to bring those two things up, and there are other things as well, but where, where are you dividing the percentages there? Because they were a pretty darn conservative and you just can't play that way anymore. Uh, college football, you got too many people who can score points. Washington was averaging 35 points a game coming into that game. You can't sit on any lead. Well, I'm going to put the more on the big mistakes by young players for one mm-hmm. specific reason. If Ty Jordan doesn't fumble the ball, And they complete that drive. Utah wins. So, I mean, if you want to look at one instance that was really the deciding factor, unfortunately, it was that mistake. And I say unfortunately because, man, I felt for him because he was just balling out. I mean, he was he was having a day. And then to have that mistake, you could see, you know, in his body language afterwards how upset he was about it because he knew he knew what a big deal that was and how well he was playing and got to hang on to the football man it's tough i felt for him in that moment so i'll go big mistakes more so than the than the dialing it back but i mean that yeah that's certainly a factor that's been a thing with utah for a long time this is uh yeah it has and okay let me let me take one of those those two things one at a time uh ty jordan 10 carries 97 yards average 9.7 uh he had four receptions for 31 yards is it time for the utes in spite of the fumble is it time for them to feed that guy the ball more? 
It looks like he's the guy. It does, which is a real surprise to me, given that we thought Brumfield and um, uh, Jordan Wilmore were both yeah. pretty capable uh, capable mm-hmm. players, and it's not like they were terrible by any means. But I mean, they Jordan seems to be like the player there, not yeah, not the change I, of pace guy, but the guy. I agree with that completely. I think it's time to. I mean, well, Jordan had ten carries. Brumfield had ten. Uh, well, Jake Bentley had 10, Wilmore had eight, and Micah Bernard had three. Uh, I, man, I I give Jordan more than 10, and I know he made a, a critical error there, but it's it's time to let him uh, get lathered up and, and gain a bunch of yards and then get some consistency as well. Uh, tough for him to make that mistake that he made. But I agree with you on what you said about the the conservative play calling, and uh, the Utes are going to have to figure that out. This is one of the things that that has to happen this season is for those coaches to get to know the players they have, find out what they're capable of, and then trust them. Trust them. And I know there are four turnovers, and that's going to hurt. That's nine turnovers in two games. That must drive Kyle Whittingham insane. But uh, there are going to be mistakes. Well, that's why you gotta, he doesn't. You got you to gotta iron out these things, Jake, because you're not really playing for this year. And, and I, I, there's no other year that I would say that about. But this year, come on. This is nothing but a practice season, really. Come on. Come on. Um, <laughs> that's never not going to be funny. The Job one <laughs> is still my favorite. Um, come but on. <laughs> here's the thing, though, Gordon. I mean, come on, man. Jake Bentley was responsible for three of those turnovers. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Witt does it. That's why he does it. That's why he dials it back because he says, okay, the only thing that's going to beat me now is, is if I make a bunch of mistakes. So I'm going to be conservative and I'm going to run the ball and do all but these you things. you can't that- play that way. You can't play that way against an opponent like Washington. It's going to get you beat. And that's exactly what happened. I understand that the turnovers helped in that regard. But you can't play scared. Oh, come on! <laughs> I think Witt probably would tell you, though, he's playing defensive. I mean, it's 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 the mentality. I, I would say that the criticism over dialing it back so much is this isn't necessarily the defense that you're able to do that with. I mean, some of the Utah defenses over the years, like, okay, you can dial it back a little bit because you know the defense is going to stonewall them. Even though we've seen good Utah teams, uh, good Utah defenses lose in this kind of sit-on-it type of fashion over the years. But this young defense... You know, it, I, I I think you needed to keep the foot on the gas because you had to anticipate giving up some points to Washington in the end. You know what I mean, Gordon? That that mm-hmm. zero on the board at halftime, yeah. that wasn't mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. So yeah. this ne- what, this isn't necessarily the defense to do that with. You know, I mean, that yeah. the, the last drive by Washington, what do we all think was going to happen, right? I mean, young defense that, that showed some cracks in the foundation, certainly there in the second half. They needed an offense to go out there and support them. Obviously, they lost the game. They gave up 24 points in the second half. Do you think they looked tired on that last drive? Or is that just an excuse? Oh, you know, what's the difference between an excuse and a reason? I mean, I'm sure they were tired. <laughs> they were they were getting rolled in the second half, you know? Yeah. I mean, Washington was dominating offensively. You so know, It's I, interesting that you say that, Jake, because – when, when when Washington got the ball back with, what, just over four minutes to go, we all knew what was going to happen, didn't we? Yeah, you knew it I was mean, coming. you could just you could feel it coming before it happened. You go, okay, that's what they start on, their own 12-yard line? <laughs> and you, 
You're thinking that? That was just weird. That was such a a, a weird way to make to see that happen. But th- that's what this team. The, I, I think it's incumbent upon the coaches to gather this team and get them sort of. It, it's like a it's like a car that's in the shop. It needs to get tuned up. It needs to have the the wheels checked and balanced. It needs to have everything sort of put together so that it will be in prime form moving forward. And I understand they're playing two of the better teams in the league, uh, unless you want to say that Oregon State's the best team. I, you know, I, you know. But uh, so it, it was difficult for the Utes, a big challenge for them. But that isn't going to fly with Ute fans who saw a twenty-one-zero lead. Uh, you don't lose games when you're up twenty-one to nothing. That's exactly what they did. And you could look at all kinds of different th- things, uh, just like what we were talking about earlier. The Utes offensively are 359 yards, Jake. Is that is that satisfying for the Utes? I mean, we've seen we've seen lower numbers, certainly. Um, the, the offense worked fine. Not many people were complaining in the first half. I mean, they need more if, if, if that's the answer you're looking for, sure. But, I mean, it... <laughs> that's why this game was so weird because they had some success in the first half and then you know maybe Washington made some adjustments I'm sure they did and and they were effective so I I don't know so so what part of it do you blame the coaches for lack of adjustments or the fact that Washington was able to come up with those adjustments and the Utes weren't well, here, here's a criticism that I'll, I'll put out there for the coaches. It seemed like they went away from their go-to guys in the second half offensively. I was talking to Hans about this off the air, in fact, uh, as his show was, was wrapping up. You know, how many targets did Keithy and Brian Thompson get in the second half? Yeah. You know, one apiece, or maybe it was two yeah. for Keithy and mm-hmm. one for Thompson. But, I mean, it, it didn't feel like they – well, to your point, uh, Ty Jordan, 10 carries in that game probably wasn't enough. Yeah, somebody running the ball like that. I mean, it, it almost felt as if they went away uh, from some things that were successful in the first half, which again is the criticism of the of the kind of sit on it type mentality. Because you, as a result, throw out the game plan and say, "Okay, well, we're going to protect this lead," and then all of a sudden you're you're going away from things that worked. So, so this gets back to what I was saying earlier. That's what the Utes have to do. They have to figure out who to rely on and then rely on them. I know that Jordan had that that fumble. And that was brutal. But, man, he's averaging 9.7 yards a carry. Give that dude the ball. You got Brant Keithy out there. Two games now. He's had four receptions in each game for 23 yards. That's nowhere near enough. And if you're going to try, who, you, who else are you going to go to? Is Brian Thompson your guy? Who, who's your, who are your other guys? You've got to go to them and trust them. And what, is Jake Bentley your guy? Well, he's got to be now. So you got to let him. You got to let him play. He has been somewhat o- underwhelming, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I get it, but it's what you. It's what you got. Well, like that the play at the end, the interception at the very end. That's not a. That's not a play that a three-year starter makes. I mean, I, that was so baffling to me. It's like, well, you go with the upperclassman because he's not going to do stuff like that. I mean, but that, that, that was des- that was desperation time anyway, wasn't it? I mean. Yeah, I. But that's when you need cooler heads to prevail. I mean, there's one throw on the field you absolutely can't make, and it's that one. Well, you're running out of time. I guess you could set yourself up for a field goal, but uh, you know they were they were just trying to do whatever they could. 
Yeah, I mean, th- this team has some issues, but it also has some promise, man. When I when I watched him play, when I when I saw the way the offensive line was performing in that first half, I thought, okay, this is what we kind of were expecting this year. And I know they got some youngsters up there, but they were dominating the line of scrimmage. What happened to that? Wow, I you, you know I. It was a tale of two halves. But the offensive line, it, you know, obviously has some issues that they're trying to get figured out. And that's well, just not something that uh, that we had anticipated. Well, I didn't see any issues in the first half. I mean, I saw guys who were just out there, you know, grading the road. And uh, yeah, where did that go in the second half? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wish I was enough of a football expert or psychologist to be able to explain that to listeners. But I don't know what happened to that offensive line at halftime. I do know that Washington came out better prepared in the second half. And it looked to me, Jake, like they knew it, too. When they came out on that first drive and did what they did, did, weren't you sitting there going, hmm, (laughs) you know, somebody was inspired during the half. Well, I'll tell you what, Jimmy likes a good coach. We've known that for a while now. And I, I think kind of what we wondered about him was, you know, how will the offense under Washington look? But, you know, didn't really worry too much about the defense. And the, mm-hmm. the adjustments that they made were really, really good. I mean, Utah was yeah. a different team in the second half. Yeah. Well, I, I think the answer to it is figure out who you trust and then jump on board with those guys and quit fiddle-faddling around. You know, if you're, if you're afraid to let your quarterback throw the ball, then you've got big problems. And you better figure out a way that he can be successful throwing the ball. Because you can't just hunker down like that for half the game. It, it, it will not work. And, and I don't, really don't care who they're playing. That, it's not going to work that way. You know? Fiddle faddle. So. That's a that's a Montanism. What Montanism did I read in your column this weekend? Oh, frick to frack. <laughs> Oh, man. How many frick to fracks have you mixed into your column over the years, you think? Yeah, probably, you know, I don't know, maybe in my career? Yeah. Oh, that's 40 years, so I'd say maybe, what, uh, one every couple years? Couple weeks? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I won't do the frick to No, 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 we're not trying to shame you. It's just like fiddle-faddle. It's a Montanism. But I bet you if All we, right. went, if, if we went, went back to the Trib archives to a, a Monson column from 1997, you will be talking about John Stockton's frick to Carl Malone's frick. <laughs> I hate being predictable. <laughs> no, that's all I'm saying. I just noticed mm-hmm. it because I know you so well, and I've been reading Monson columns for a while now. Well, I'm glad you caught it. But uh, really, that's that, that's the way it was in that game. It, it, you said it right, and I've heard it said a thousand times, but it really was a tale of, of two halves. <laughs> Completely opposites. Complete opposites. It was, it was weird. And I know that frustrates fans, but uh, I, I still think that there is reason for optimism with the Utes. Did they blow a big lead? Yeah, they did. They're young. They made some dumb mistakes, and the coaches have to trust their players. That really, those are the three things that come to my mind. I don't know if you got anything else, but that's it for me. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, they've got a lot to learn. Uh, they, they've got good players too, and I, I don't think they're going to go winless in this uh, truncated season. But um, I, I guess I would expect them to still beat Oregon State. 
depending on how much you think that their victory was uh, was legitimate, because the Pac-12 was was interesting this weekend. But that is yeah. that is a bad loss for the conference. Uh, not just uh, <laughs> not just the Ducks. That's a bad loss for the conference. And then USC uh, doesn't get to play. Mm-hmm. It's not good. And that uh, that's going to happen again. I mean, it's going to keep happening for the rest of the time. Teams are not going to be able to play at times, and that just sucks. But it's what it's what the whole world's dealing with. So, well, and now they have to deal with that whole uh, the what a Santa Clara County mess in there in California, which I believe affects Stanford. Oh, and unfortunately, San Jose State, who's a pretty good team, and the San Francisco 49ers, we find out today, are moving to Phoenix. So, <laughs> what a time for three weeks. Uh, for three weeks, I think that's what the the directive that was uh, that was laid out there. So yet another hoop. Uh, so, to jump so, through. so so do you agree with me then that this season is essentially a practice year at this point? I mean, what's the use? Just utilize it to grow your team. Wait for whom? Well, there, there's, there's no other real purpose here. For whom? For the Utes. Okay, I thought you were talking about overhaul. Oh, overall, no. that's why I'm. Well, I'm I mean, in a lot of cases, the Utes no, aren't I the mean, only team. Yeah, the Utes aren't. They were never going to win the division this year. You know, they, they were got never, two or three more games. What, what they are they going to do with that? Well, go out there and play. We're going to enjoy watching them. I mean, it, it was a particularly painful game to watch on Saturday, but uh, just from the stack, watching a team blow it is, is painful <laughs> to watch. Uh, but uh, you know what? I was loving watching uh, local college football. That's for sure. I, I wish the the Cougs would have played last weekend. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that BYU stayed at uh, at, at eighth in the AP poll. Uh, is that is that a bunch of uh, voters telling the the committee to stick it? Uh, probably some of that, but I mean it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, feel good yeah. for the Cougs. I guess it's just a. Uh, uh, adds to the frustration, maybe for some U- some BYU fans, but uh, I-, I-, I thought that was interesting that they held their ground and didn't uh, follow the line of thought. As uh, they- how many committee members are there? Thirteen. Well, uh, there were some good things that happened uh, for BYU, I suppose, over the weekend. If they're hoping to get included, I mean, Oregon losing couldn't hurt. Although they're still obligated to take a Pac-12 team, so. I don't know how much that Northwestern, Northwestern, Northwestern losing, losing. Uh, uh-huh. that quarterback going down. You know, never want to say an injury is good per se. So forgive me, but I mean, I don't think uh, Jack Tuttle is going to be as good as uh, the quarterback he's replacing in Indiana. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. It's kind of a crazy year all the way around. Yep, that's what we got. All right, uh, we're going to hear the entire conversation with Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck from their media avail- availability today coming up. But one quote was interesting to me uh, about why they drafted uh, Udoka Azubuki. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Uh, this is what Dennis said. He said, quote, I think our analytics ratings had him second overall. Uh, he goes on, he says, our scoring ratings, ha- or excuse me, scouting ratings had him inside the top 10. Their defensive rating at Kansas was the best in the NCAA. We felt... We just feel like he was a unique kid, unquote. So, okay. Does that have anything to do with uh, the Jazz's relationship with Rudy Gobert? That would appear not. I mean, they're, it sounds like they're going the best player available kind of kind of direction. 
You know, that's so interesting to me that they had him so high because none of the other teams did. Well, maybe they know something or are looking at something that other teams aren't. I mean, well, they're... yeah, that's either it's either brilliance or it's uh, a complete reach, one or the other. So you got to trust your guys if if that's what your your team is is telling you, then yeah, you go with it. Hey, I get it at twenty seven. I mean, people out there who, who thought that the Jazz were really going to have an automatically day one rotational player, and hey, I talked mm-hmm. about this too. So throw me right in here. Uh, amongst the the group that did talk about that, but that just probably wasn't realistic. At 27, you take some factors into your scouting, you know, the analytics, obviously, and you try to find some someone that other teams aren't looking at. That's exactly what you're trying to do with a pick like that. So, you know, if you can put him on ice for a couple of years, develop him and see what you've got. Maybe you do have that unique player. At very least, if you develop him, you've got a, a piece that you can maybe move into something else. I mean, discovering a player is discovering a player, right? Yeah, it's one thing to be drafting uh, a certain way if you have a top 10 pick. Right. But if you're at the back end, what the heck? You know, if you see somebody you think that may not help you right away, but is going to help you on down the line, then yeah, go ahead and do it. Why not? And trust in your staff. You know, you've seen what Alex Jensen has been able to help Rudy with. You know, you hope Mm -hmm. that maybe you can duplicate that. Exactly. And it gives you yeah. more flexibility at that position. And as uh, the great Frank Layden and others have, says, you have said, you can't teach size. So, I mean, the guy is, is very unique from a size standpoint. Hey, I'm out there just watching college basketball games. I'm not studying these guys the way the jazz staff does. That's what they do for a living. And if, what, what, if Dennis Lindsay has his staff in front of him, and he loves challenging the guys, he says, okay, tell me what you think. Remember when we were talking with him that time and he said, I never like to express my opinion first because I don't want my my people to just parrot back what I'm saying. Right. He always asks them what they think. And if they're giving them this, this kind of, this kind of uh, promise in a player, then, yeah, what are you going to do if you get two or three people who are telling you, yeah, uh, th- this guy is not on high on a lot of people's boards, but he's hard or high on ours. Then Dennis Lindsay says, ah, you're full of it. Now, that's not the way to run your thing. you gotta, you got to trust your people. So kind of like what I was saying with the Utes. If you got some players, you got to trust them. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, then take it into account. I mean, even Tony Bradley, who was taken at the back part of the first uh, first round, Gordon, you got a little productivity out of him last year when you desperately needed somebody to fill that role. I mean, that's a success for picking at the end of the uh, at the end of the first round, you know you never know what you're going to get. Uh, I bring this up all the time with you, but the, they picked Mo Almond at what, like 24, 23? Was he twenty four? And, can't and he, he dominates the at the time D League, and everybody, oh, this is the shooter that uh, the Jazz have been needing forever. And then he gets a little bit of a chance at the NBA level, and you go, oh, well, can't play him <laughs> for a variety of different reasons. That's terrific. <laughs> You know, you just you yeah, you, you don't know you. sometimes, and and I'll I'll tell you what if the disparity if they had this guy top ten from scouting and top two from analytics, which just seems nuts, and other teams aren't seeing it, I, I'm with you. You got to kind of trust what it is you're use the criteria you're using to judge. Yeah, it either gives you a great opportunity or or you you, you belly flop or you miss horribly. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, but that what else would you expect? At yep. that position, at uh, picking 27th in hey, the first round. Hey, yeah, if I'm picking there, I would rather take a flyer on a guy. I have no problem with a reach at that point. 
I mean, and, and I've I saw a lot of criticism of the Jazz with the way the draft went, and uh, I, you know, so what? It, it really doesn't matter if that's what your people are seeing. Then you don't shut them down because it's something different, right? So because all that does is encourage everyone group think. You don't want everyone thinking the same because they're afraid to to uh, step out on a on the ledge a little bit. But I think that pick, I, I appreciated the clarification coming from the Jazz front office today because I think there were a couple of things by, about that pick that left you scratching your head a little bit. You know, maybe it felt like a little bit of a reach and that uh, he wasn't uh, really projected to go that high. And it's another center and it feels like duplication. I mean, I, I thought the explanation we got today was interesting. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, everyone thought the Jazz's number one need was perimeter defense. But where are they right? going to get that at twenty-seven? You know, and you're not going to, and you're not going unless you see an opportunity to move up. You're not going to, yeah. I go with the, the guy that I think will, in the long run, help my club the most. And so we'll no see how it goes. Yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. I bet he, I bet he spends a bunch of time with the stars. I bet uh, you know they'll they'll have him coming back and forth to practice a ton because I'm sure they want him to work with Rudy. Uh, you know, Rudy sometimes struggles a little bit from uh, with big bodies and big guys, and, and maybe this is somebody who can push Rudy in practice a little bit. You never know. You know, you never know how how he can benefit the team. I would love to see those two uh, heading up against each other, battling it out. Yeah, two bigs like that. Yeah, that would be fun to watch. I mean, it might not be pretty, and I imagine that Rudy would. <laughs> hey, be the uh, the master, uh, not the student, but I, I still think it would be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. Phone's ringing, dude. I know. I hear it. <laughs> All right. Coming up I'm going to go answer it. We will get to more. Stay tuned. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.